Hello, listeners. I'm Brenda Lone Baker, leadership coach and speaker. Welcome to Fearless Females, Redefining Success in Women's Leadership. I'm passionate about helping women be more than they ever dreamed they could. This podcast records conversations with highly successful women in all kinds of careers. They share their learning and their experiences to help you create a roadmap to your leadership success. I'm really excited today to be interviewing Tiffany Markarian. She's an award-winning marketing strategist. She's a keynote speaker, and I know her from a past work experience. So take a listen. So welcome, Tiffany. Thanks again for agreeing to do this. I'm really excited to hear more about you and um, all of the things that you do in your experiences. So thank you. Tell me a little bit about what you are doing now. Well, after many years of corporate helping financial wealth management firms and advisors around the country elevate their client experience, grow their marketplace, that takes leadership. And this is now going on my 26th year in the business, which there's a lot of people that have a lot more experience, but I can say 26 straight years of developing people, creating change in organizations. You do that through a lot of different marketplace changes and you meet a lot of people. And within those 26 years, new generations have been born that are now in the workforce too. And great leaders have since retired and need to be replaced. Some are irreplaceable in terms of personality. Some it requires an entirely different skill set. Mm-hmm. Now in private practice, I am that person that comes in when a firm is trying to get over a historical sticking point. And a lot of times those leaders have been so busy trying to grow the business, but they get stuck running the business. Mm-hmm. So the leadership is sometimes without fault, haphazard, because they're trying to figure it out. And the employees are like, what's the answer? Where are we going? I don't understand where we're happening. And some people just create their own reality. Oh, things are bad. Um, Am I going to lose my job? This person doesn't know what they're doing. This department's trying to cut me out when everybody's looking for clarity. And unfortunately, sometimes those leaders in the firm need to bring in someone from the outside because it's now become cultural and that person not, can't necessarily fix that themselves when they've been bouncing around and it's been inconsistent. Sure, that's, that's totally, I understand that. It's tough sometimes when you're so deep in it to really kind of take that bird's eye view and see what are the pieces that could fix this, that could make change. And usually what that comes down to is maybe it's a new leader who's taking on an organization or a next gen leader, but they're taking on perhaps an organization that's been complacent for some time and the marketplace caught up with them and they got surpassed. That leader probably doesn't know, okay, I can go to as many meetings and best practices and study groups, but I've been inconsistent with my team. Do they trust where we're going now? Because Every week it's, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to try this. We got to try this. And 
then you start to lose trust. Right. Sometimes it takes someone from the outside. So I'm glad we're doing this today to hopefully prevent people from getting in that place in the first place. Right, right. Or at least recognizing it a little earlier, maybe. Right. Um, so I, I know you're running your own company now, but you've been in different levels of leadership and different kinds of companies. Can you just give us a little kind of, you know, piece of where you've been, the kinds of different jobs you've done, and then maybe um, how you've found the change from working in corporate to what you're doing now? Absolutely. I've been in the same industry, which is unusual since the day I graduated college. My internships were even in that industry. But when you find something that you love and you don't just take a job, you do find something that you love, leadership becomes much easier mm -hmm. because it's a purpose at that point. I started right as a director of marketing and business development with a lot of older individuals, but I was able to bring a perspective on the marketplace. And when you speak clearly and you work hard and you get them results, results are the key. That then drew the attention of corporate, uh, a major insurance company that wanted that type of expertise to grow without throughout their offices. So every sales organization or business organization will typically have affiliate offices, sales offices, no matter what industry you're in, if it's medical, if it's STEM, if it's graphic design, there's typically a major corporation's gonna have offices and they want those affiliates to have the same opportunity to grow. And they can't all grow the same, they're all gonna have different marketplaces and geographies and talent, et cetera. And so I stayed in corporate for many years and then came to where you and I met in the same wealth management organization. And that came full circle. It was two organizations coming together into a partnership to create scale and efficiency, but that also now takes two cultures that you have to try to make something special and develop all the people and grow it and create a new value for yourself as the industry is constantly changing. And that's the key to avoiding complacency. It's where is that ball going? And that can be difficult when you're merging operations, new leaders take over, budgets get cut, tax laws get changed, regulatory environments get changed, but you have to say, okay, where's the opportunity that we can go to? Not let's protect our processes because right. it feels uncomfortable. Right. And in doing so, had a situation where my dad was getting really sick for six years, and I knew I had to step back a bit, wanted to spend some time with him, figured I'd go into private practice, but the demand was there just from making a name for yourself. If you focus on results, people want to continue to work with you, and it just took off from there. So that's really the message is if no matter what role you're in, you can create a result. You're not just a cog in a machine or pushing widgets down your manufacturing pipe. Everyone has the chance to get results. And if you are just sitting there feeling like you're putting widgets down a manufacturing pipe, you gotta figure out as the leader, is that how my people feel? I'm the one that's getting exposed in leadership and executive meetings and going to conferences and industry forums and my brain's getting fed where we're going. Am I actually helping everyone on my team gain perspective on what are we doing? That is so valuable to give perspective and that's really what I'm doing in private practice is helping people who maybe are running the business while trying to grow it, but they don't know how because they focused on the same processes. 
-hmm. and they haven't wanted to make change because they felt like if I make change, we're going to step way further back trying to learn this thing when that in fact is the wrong situation. It's what consultants are there for. Yep. Um, I like what you said about, you know, how you got noticed. What, what would be your best advice for people to get noticed in a positive way? Well, trying to be loud, trying to scratch over somebody else to get noticed is short term. Well, karma will always catch up with you. If you're someone who wants to get noticed by saying, look at how hard I am working. Look at all of these things that I have done. That's one way to do it, but that's can come off as me. Put it in the context of what outcomes is this company or division, or however you want to term it, what outcomes are they trying to do? What clients are we trying to serve? What results are we trying to gain from this new product, from this new pharmaceutical, whatever industry you're in? If you can frame things as, I know that our industry is heading in this direction. I'd like to be a larger part of it. I want to be able to do more for the company. The more you can tie things to a result, sales, outcome, a client, or a customer experience, that's how you get noticed but you also have to put it in. There's a lot of people say casual environments is now best. You still need to be a step ahead of everyone else. The way you talk, the way you present yourself, the way you walk in a room, is your head down? Are you showing up late? Is there excuses for not getting something done? Being that scrappy hustler who knows what the outcome is and doesn't try to just tag along to executives or be seen with the right people, but they listen and they speak what's trying to be accomplished. That's gets you mm -hmm. noticed. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think it ties into what you said a little bit earlier that it's easier to do when you have that passion, right? It, Without your question. why fits in with that what you're doing. And so it's so much easier to put that forward because you're so interested in it to begin with. And if you're a leader, a good advice is don't fall in love with just yourself, just the numbers, just the process. Fall in love with the end client, the end customer, the end person that we're doing this for, because there's always an end result that we're doing something for. If it's to surpass a competitor, great. Fall in love with the marketplace that you're in. And that will help you know if you're with the right company to start with, because sometimes there is a disconnect with the company. If there's a break in value structure, you have the right to go to another company. And if you can demonstrate the outcomes, not bad mouth the other company, but the outcomes that you're looking to create, you want to get there and with a company that wants to get there faster, they love that type of talent. I also, because we did work together, I also believe that you have a very graceful way of asserting yourself. And women, I think, struggle with that a lot on how to put yourself forward in a positive manner without being aggressive or, you know, the negative words that all come. So what, what do you think has helped you be assertive? Well, I don't call it being assertive. I, I call it being focused on an end goal. Mm -hmm. And I, does anybody else say that about other people? Are you assertive or are they focused on the end goal? People who are focused on the end goal never get called assertive. They get called a player. They get called valuable. 
And so this may come off the wrong way, and I, I truly do not mean it to. You mentioned as, as a woman who asserts herself in a graceful way, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but when I go into an environment or a work or a speaking engagement, I never am coming in as a woman or a competitor or a man. I'm just coming in as someone who loves marketing and loves creating opportunity and helping people create change, period. Mm -hmm. So when I come in, I'm coming in because I see potential. I see potential in the people I worked with. I see potential in the marketplace. I see an opportunity for us to grow. That's it. And I'm chasing that opportunity. I'm trying to help people see potential. That's not really being assertive. That's getting it done. That's awesome. I love the way you reframed that. And it sounds like you kind of have been able to really eliminate those titles or constraints within yourself and see yourself just as headed towards the opportunity. I like the way you said that. Um, what do you really consider the most important traits of an effective leader? There's many. And a lot of people will say, what's the most important trait? It, there's a lot of things that happen that sort of create the whole. I think the first thing as a leader is you've got to remember the root word of leader or leadership, it's leading. There's a difference between leadership and management. There are some people that are really good on a team that get promoted, they're just phenomenal skill set. They know how to get tasks done. They do that in a silo environment or a solo environment, or maybe work well with a team. But when you've got to now take other people that are at different phases or development or maturity or emotion, you have to lead. Managers are always looking at what happened yesterday, what happened today, did we get the widget down the manufacturing pipe? Leaders are, where's that ball going? What skills are we going to need to get there? How can I help you with that? They are inspecting their people. They're putting them in challenging situations. And I don't mean that in a scary way. Anyone that I've ever developed has always said the same thing. And I know that because they come back and tell me is that you've challenged me and you never let me get away with something. So if they say, well, I haven't done that. I'm gonna say, well, we're going to do that and we're going to practice it. It's giving yourself the time. So that's the first thing is understanding there's a difference between development and management. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on developing your team of employees, not simply managing their tasks. Otherwise you're a manager. The second thing is you do have to be decisive. And that is some of the areas in my helping to develop leaders. They look for too much input. And people then feel like, do they know what's happening? Let me give you an example of this one. Leaders who are decisive have thought it through before they talk to their team. They may ask a few questions. What do you think of the marketplace? What do you think can be approved? But when it comes to a decision, I'm thinking of doing this decision. What do you think of that? Do you think that's the right move? That can hurt you if it's done too many times because people are looking for a path, especially if it's a stressful environment, your business is affected by COVID, something happened in a regulatory environment, now we've got to switch gears, our leader left the company, now we're in flux, our budget has been cut. Somebody needs to make a decision and they have to stand by that decision. You can ask for input, but if it's on the ultimate decision, people need to be led, remember. And if it's not clear, 
then people will start taking their own action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so being it's decisive. Hard to follow a leader that's not leading, or that isn't is unsure. Right. Right. The next thing I would say is there's a difference between talking about what we need to do and then checking in three or four months later. Demonstrating what we need to do shows that you're still in the game. So even though you might be the leader and the executive and maybe your team is carrying out the tasks, if you're still in that task mode, showing them how something is done, demonstrating how things should be done, mm -hmm role-playing a conversation or letting your team sit in on a conversation with a client or another departmental leader, letting them watch. That's the difference between, no, you need to do this. Well, you need to do something without the how is not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So demonstrate versus talking straight would be another example. And then there's a few ingredients that just come down to your emotional. Are you calm under stress? I think a lot of us have observed leaders that are not calm under stress. And that's something where everybody can have an outburst, but when you're the leader, you're being watched. People watch how you walk down the hall or behave on a virtual meeting or snap at other people or don't keep emotions in check. That comes down to maturity, but it's also how do you show up? You have to be consistent. If you've got team meetings, but you're always canceling them because a client or an industry forum or you're on the phone or something else had to be moved, if there's a consistent team meeting, that team is waiting for that meeting to happen so that they can talk through things with you. There needs to be consistency of message. We can't say, oh, we're going this way. We've got a new idea we're gonna try. This is the direction we're going. It has to be consistent. If your message is unclear, if your expectations are unclear, you won't get the end result. That does take some confidence. It does take you to work harder. You have to work harder at everybody else at leaving your stress behind. That's very difficult to do in the environment that we're in, and I'm not negating it. There are some of us taking care of parents, taking care of kids, taking care of ourselves, trying to fight for paychecks and payroll or our jobs or our industry. We still have to show up if we're the leader and give people perspective. And lastly, I would say, although there's still many more, but some of the main ones, we've got to stop looking backwards. It's fine to revisit past numbers, past results to learn from it. But if we're constantly looking at what happened last week, this didn't happen. We have to be looking at what numbers do we need to have? What activity do we need to have? What resources do we need to have? What skills do we need to have? Let's get prepared for these. Where is that ball going and where do we need to be is the more important trait. Again, developing versus management. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. From a coaching perspective, it's great to look at maybe why things didn't happen so that you can adjust or decide if that's really something that needs to happen, if that's the important thing to happen. Right. Um, it's that whole idea of complacency and helping people get over sticking points. If the past is always an option for you, then the future is always going to be unclear. Right. What do you think um, were some of the biggest roadblocks that you faced along your path? You can look at them as roadblocks or you can look at them as experiences that shape your career. And I know that sounds Pollyanna, but complacency of certain companies is one of them. 
those leaders that weren't clear, that were trying to make us do reports after reports after reports to show that we're doing a good job when the reports aren't even being looked at. I would say the biggest one though is having been a person, and this is not about my experience, it's about helping others with an experience, having been a person that's always focused on where the ball is going and wanting to be the best contributor. When I was just in a marketing role, trying to develop talent in a sales environment, I wanted to get closer to the sales training process. So I had asked leaders and managers, I would like to develop this person. I'd like to move into this role when it opens up. And like, but you're one of our star marketing people. Why would we ever wanna move you? Because imagine one of your star people getting more breadth of experience and giving your firms more clarity or teams more clarity to get that end result. And when I phrased it that way as, not that I'm unhappy, not that I'm trying to make you fill a hole, but we're trying to make a stronger opportunity as I'm talking to the end client, the end relationship, recruit more people, build more products, whatever your industry is. Sometimes that can be a challenge when you want to grow and they're not ready to let you grow. And that's a decision where open communication, being clear on the outcome, right? Not, I deserve this. I looked at this person, they're getting paid more than me and there are discrepancies out there, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those things go away when they see you as someone that gets the result, whatever that result is. Yeah. So I would say that's the biggest thing is when you know you want to grow they're afraid to sort of let people go in different directions. And that's why people get lost. It's typically not a money issue. It's an opportunity issue. And I have right. left companies right. for that. So you, you found, you, you came to your decision where you knew where you wanted to go and the things you wanted to learn and you found that they weren't available. And so you, you looked for them. Yes. And there have been instances where the company came back and said, we can't lose this. Let's mm -hmm. make this work. And then it became a model for others. I'm not going to say that's everyone's experience, but for those who are listening today that are leaders, remember your people don't want to be stationary. We want to avoid complacency and getting into sticking points. The best thing leaders can do is to be remembered. What do you want to be remembered for? Do you want to be remembered as someone who holds people down, doesn't wanna grow or develops their people. I still have interns or, or people that I had developed years ago that call me up at age 26 saying, I just bought my first house. Right. And I grew because of some of the things that you taught me to in my company and, and nothing's better than that. Right. Your role is to develop the team or the people underneath you. And you'll be remembered for that. You'll lose some people along the way, but they'll remember you as a mentor. Mm, I love that. Um, and they'll work harder for you. That leads into another question that I was going to ask, which is, you know, have you early in your career or along the way had women role models that have affected you? And, you know, how did it impact you? I'm going to go back to, I have been blessed most, uh, my first couple of jobs, I did report to women who got the job done, but the people that I gravitate to, whether you're man, woman, they, them pronouns, 
however you define yourself, who helps me gain clarity on the industry that I'm in? Who helps me grow in my role as a professional in the industry that I'm in? I don't care what particular gender, age, any type of factor. Mm-hmm. What matters to me is, do you have those leadership qualities that I, I mentioned to you? Do you get me to think at a higher level about what I can be? Mm-hmm. And there are some people that do a lot of talking that don't have their emotional ground set, that fly off the handle, don't have it well situated. And unfortunately, I, I've appreciated those relationships, but it's the people who help me understand about the industry that I'm in and what's the result and how to get there. Those are the mentors, no matter how you identify that mentor. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because it's really about what are you looking for? What is your picture of leadership to emulate? What are the things that fit you? And it really doesn't matter whether that person looks like you do, (laughs) right? Because it's really about learning from how they are acting as a leader and, and developing that in yourself more so than are they a woman or are they white? Are they a man? You know, can even be outside of your, your own industry sometimes. It can. And also sometimes that the person who's really going to help you grow is the end client doing research in your industry, talking to people who may be the client. If you're looking to build a better demographic for the type of consumers that you serve, I'm not just going to sit in a room with other people that look like myself. I'm going to talk to the demographic and let them tell me what they need. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I get asked a lot um, by women who have either moved up into a a leadership role or have been in it a, a bit about that whole process of managing expectations managing expectations of the people who work for you and managing the expectations of the people you work for. Um, So what would be your suggestions or have you done anything specific about managing expectations? I have and, and continue to do this every day. When you are developing a team or working for a client, whatever situation that you're in, To manage an expectation means you have to be clear on the expectation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the employee or the team may not know the expectation. They just know the job and I come in and I I punch. And there are some people that say, no, I wanna know more. What do I need to do to get better? What do I need to do to get a raise or to get a promotion or to get a title? You have to know the expectation. So I think that's the first thing is even when I take on a new client, I say, look, this is my expectation. We're gonna meet every two weeks. If the things that we talk about don't get done in the two weeks, we're not gonna talk and I'm gonna question, did you procrastinate on it? Or was there a good legitimate reason why we didn't do that? I said, if this is what you want, then this is what we need to do. If you want something you never had before, then we have to do some things that we've never done before. Mm -hmm. Most books and textbook around leadership might say, well, you have to hire the right people to start with. And that's 100% true. You can't just hire skills to a resume. It has to be a good fit. But what happens if you take over a team and you didn't originally source those people? You still have to set expectations and maybe maybe different than the prior leader. But if you're clear on what you want to say, 
This is what we're going to do to get there. This is the plan. So I think you have to, one, not only set the expectation, but then lay out the next 90 days, the next six months. Where are we going? How will we get there? This is what I need your role to be, being very clear on roles, being very clear on the deadline when we need to get this done. And then don't just say it, then every week we're going to dive into it. Where were we? This did not get done. This is not good that it did not get done. This was the deadline. What happened here? You have to, I do this even with interns to this day. If I say, this is what I want done, but here's the bigger picture of why I'm doing this. This is my client. This is what they're trying to do. They're like, oh, so this is pretty important. A lot of other leaders might say, I need this report. Show me, take these columns B, C, D, and E and make me a new spreadsheet that looks like this. I'm good at Excel, sure. The employee says I can do that. But isn't it better if we say, here's what I'm doing for division 10. This is the numbers that we have, but it's not showing this. Would you be able to do this? And then I'm happy to have you listen in on the conference call next week so you can see how it was used. Mm -hmm. Give them perspective, show them why so that they see the bigger picture. And now they've learned, oh, so this report's actually pretty important. I said, you're right. This is helping us measure profitability. And now it's different than just numbers or a task, something to put on your resume. Yep. You've been able then, you know, in that way to pass the vision over and have make sure that they really understand it, then they can almost take more ownership in it of getting it done. Well, it gets exciting when you realize you're working towards, what did I say earlier, an outcome right. or result. Results. But you also have to know that every employee is going to be motivated by something different. Some are trying to feed their family. Some, they're trying to get to another level in their career. Some, they just want to contribute. Some just want to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Some want the ability just to learn. Some want a collegial work environment. Whatever that is, you need to know. So that has to be part of the expectation. What are your expectations of me right. as your leader? What were you not getting before? Right. Once the once the expectations are clear, then if someone's falling short, say, remember when we spoke, these were the things that you wanted. This is pulling you away from that. Is that what you want? I don't want that for you, but this is your decision. Right. How do you how do you feel that you've gained respect from the people that work for you? I've gained respect because I've set up an environment for them to thrive. And I've made them clear on every step and move, and I've never held them back, and I've made them part of the process. That is respect. If they fall short, which I will say has only happened a few times, and that was just a wrong fit. And it was a mutual decision at that point. But to gain respect means you need to respect them as a whole person, and you're developing that person. So the more you stay focused on their development, what questions do you have? What did you learn from this assignment mm -hmm. that you were given? In your observation, working on this new clinical trial, what are you seeing that you're excited about? What do you wanna have voiced? Right. Those types of things, when you bring people in, and more importantly, you say, in the next few years, here's where the market seems to be going. We're going to need to do some things differently, boost up on some skills. You have to be able to paint the picture. I have the path, follow me. They have to be able to feel that and that's respect.
And even if it doesn't work out, it's gonna work out amicably, they'll probably remove themselves for the process and that's okay. Mm -hmm. How about the people that you report to gaining their respect? I report to my clients for the past several years at this point now, I do what I say I'll do. Mm -hmm. And I get deep in the trenches. A lot of people say to me, you're not just a consultant, you're a great project manager. You actually lay things out, you keep us on track. We don't just talk about a good idea on a whiteboard. You capture it with deadlines and who's doing what and we have calls, we can't hide. Mm -hmm. I've had clients who refer me to others say, be afraid, <laughs> she's going to make <laughs> you work. But I love that because that's pure respect. But I, I do what I say I'm going to do and I help them create change and, and I'm there. Doing what you say you'll do gains your respect. Yep. Really does. Showing up when you say you're going to show up. How, how have you... How have you increased your confidence? over your career? The only way you increase confidence is being a student of what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go. If you're trying to go up market, maybe you're someone who's in a sales environment and you wanna call on a bigger type of clientele, then be a student of that clientele. Do interviews with those types of clientele. Get on Twitter for that industry and follow the big influencers and what's happening in that industry. You've got to become a student so that you can be prepared when that big opportunity arises. So for me to say how I gain confidence, I'm constantly putting myself in an uncomfortable place. Could that increase my stress? Perhaps. But every time you do something that was uncomfortable, it wasn't as scary as you thought it would be. You just keep growing and you get the result. So I think it's getting, it's staying out of complacency, staying out of your comfort zone and getting uncomfortable. It's the Is only way any, you grow. I totally agree with you. I think that just making the movement, whether you fail or succeed, that's, that's growing your confidence, just doing something. But is there anything that helps you make that movement, right? To, to just do it. Yes, there, there's a several things. Whether you're a corporate employee, an entrepreneur, or just getting started in your career or an admin, it, it doesn't matter. You have to have a vision for your name. You and your name mean something. And people even said to me when I get married, why are you changing your name? You've got a career with your name. I was like, the name is important. People who remember who you are and what you do, they'll still find you but your name means something. So if you're scared to do a presentation, would it be bad if you didn't? Would your name get better if you did that? Would you impart the knowledge that you have? Are you the best kept secret because you're not giving this opportunity? Is it that you're not confident to do it when you know you have all the knowledge and skills, just the thought of it that makes you scared? You have to say to yourself, well, my name Will I be proud of it if I do this? Will I be proud of myself if I take this extra certification? Will I be proud of myself if I decide to sign up for a course? Or the world is going digital. Should I take a digital marketing class? Or should I take a Photoshop or an Excel or whatever it is class? Mm -hmm. Then do it. Yeah. 
So really just um, figuring Vision. out who you want to be, how you want to be put out there, and then kind of measuring everything that you're doing to that. And it then it it becomes a little more worth it to you because it's 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 your name that's on the line, not just right. am I gonna walk across the room or not? It's who do I want to show up as? Right. And how do I want my team to view me? How do I want executives to view me? You mm -hmm. want executives to view you as someone who gets things done, gets the end result. Someone that if, if they weren't in the room, you'd be the person that they would call next. You want your employees to be able to grow so that they say, I want to follow this person and work as hard as I can. They're going to take me to the end result and grow my career. You may have to do things. Some people are afraid of public speaking. Then you practice. Mm -hmm. You do it in the mirror. You get your kids. You get your dog. I don't care whatever it is. You do it in front of somebody and you do it over and over again. If you have to hold a paper clip in your hand to ground you, uh, whatever it is, me, I drink a, an ice cold brew or I drink a, a Diet Coke or a Diet Pepsi before every presentation because the caffeine makes my head clear. Okay, whatever it is, just do right. it. Right. I love that. And I do, I totally agree with you on the practicing and back to our days together. I talk to people about that all the time that you needed to have the script and know what you were going to say. And really, once you knew what you were going to say, that almost made it so much easier to be able to do it. Because when you're trying to come up with it on the fly, it's very difficult to be confident in it. But to have the script and practice it, it makes it a lot easier. Even if it's not perfect in the situation, you have the basis solid within you. And usually you'll hear excuses at that point and that's, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you want something you never had, you have to do something you've never done before. Right. Right. And remember, if we've had those expectations, what do you want? What do you need from me? Where are you trying to go? You come back to that expectation. This was your expectation. If we're going to get there, we'll do it together. But are we in this or not? Right. Is there a quote that you like? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Oh, that's a great one. Good one. Love it. And I have one more question. If you were to give yourself your like 16 or 20 year old self a piece of advice, what would it be? You're thinking about the right things. Go for it. That's awesome. Thank you I so think, much. I think that's part of people though. They A lot of people don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. because they really haven't a lot of people are unclear about that you have to get and I know this is hard if you've got a lot of responsibility children whatever health financials whatever's going on in your life but you can get up 10 or 15 minutes earlier in some cases or quiet it down 10 to 15 minutes earlier or even in your car if there's a stumbling block if it's emotional if it's personal as I don't have time I haven't thought through then give yourself time in the car to quiet it down and let whatever comes to your head start speaking to you because mm -hmm. you, you you owe it to yourself and the people that depend on you to be in the right place mm -hmm. when you're not clear on things then that's where career bumps happen and bouncing around in different companies or not finding the right role because we're just not clear what we're doing but what's interesting and I don't want to get ethereal about this it is true though when you get clarity 
your energy flows where your attention goes. Mm -hmm. yep. And if you're just constantly, the world isn't good, my job isn't good, you're going to get more of that. But mm -hmm. if you're, I've realized I like this skill and this is the role that I probably should be in. Next thing you know, the opportunities start coming. That's definitely true. I actually had a client email me last week saying that she got a job offer and she said, and you were right, they didn't have anything posted, but they created something for me because she knew what she wanted. She had that clarity and she was able to find it because people did have the respect of her and, you know, it could be created. That's um, right. And that happens all the time in recruitment. Mm -hmm. And I will tell people that when I'm hiring for people on my staff, I will say, I don't want to meet your representative today. I want to meet you because typically, especially with college students, sometimes, oh, I've always been interested in this. Oh, I've always thought finance. Or I've always thought sales. Or I've always thought technology was good. Or I love people. You're going to hear the stale, stable answers that they expect mm -hmm. you to hear. Yes, I'd be interested. And then when you set up another time, they don't show you met their representative. But if someone says, this is what I'm really good at. I love the company. I love the clientele. This may be a good starting. You might not be the right fit for that role, but they're like, boy, that person, Mary, she had something. I think she's got to be over on the divisional sales team, or she's got to be over in the accounting team, mm -hmm. whatever that is. People that are clear and can get a job done, they'll find a place for you. And if not, there will be a company there, even in this virtual environment. Definitely. I want to go back to one other thing before we close. You are saying that it's so important to take that short amount of time to, to just be with your thoughts and figure out what it is that's kind of holding you back. I think that is so important. And I, I believe that really it is truly amazing, even five minutes a day can can add up so quickly and make such a drastic change and then my only addition to that would be to when you figure out those things that are holding you back do the research because there's so much out there to help you shift those things and get over them get past them um, to just spend the five minutes figure out maybe what they are and then start working towards moving past them the great thing about this digital environment is that podcasts lend a great opportunity for education. Twitter lends a great opportunity for education. If you follow an influencer in either the emotional stumbling block you have, the industry growth you're trying to attain, right. you can fairly quickly get some brain food. And it may be, I've got three kids under the age of five. I don't have time for this. But perhaps while you're making breakfast, or you have a podcast playing around. Mm -hmm. something that you can find just if you recognize a stumbling block if it's worth it enough maybe there's a digital way that we can feed our brains too definitely tiffany i so appreciate your time today thank you so much it's been a pleasure to interview you and i know people are going to get some great nuggets out of listening to this and um that's all thanks so much for being here my pleasure thank you Thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining. Please spread the word and share what you've learned here with other women. If there's someone you think that needs to be interviewed for Fearless Females Redefining Success in Women's Leadership, please connect me with her.
For more information, you can check out my website, www.innerovation.com. You can like Innerovation on Facebook, follow me, Brenda Lone Baker, on Instagram or Twitter, and try to stay in touch. I hope y'all have a great day.